Welcome to Devon Dragon Radio. I'm your host, Emma Ruschak. I'm here with special guest and children's author, Savan Hong. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Emma. And that's a little bit of a tongue twister saying, but welcome. And okay, you have five children's books out. What led you into writing children's books to begin with? That's a great question. So I never thought that I was going to grow up to be a writer. It was never one of those things that was on my kind of wish lists of things to be. Um, but I, after having two kids and my oldest was diagnosed um, with autism and my younger one was diagnosed with ADHD, I noticed that there was a kind of gap in the market, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. um, for children's books, particularly picture books for young kids that showed kids who had newer diversity. So there were not a, there were no books that I could find that showed a kid wearing headphones, for example, or playing with a fidget toy or having a special seat in the classroom. And I wished I had those books because being able to show a child that somebody else through the use of a book as a mirror is just like them makes that child feel much more normal and their experience more normalized. And so I decided to create those books so that other parents could have an easier experience with that. I wish I would have had those books 15 years ago. My daughter is autistic with ADHD, ODD, she's in alphabet soup. (laughs) So (laughs) she's an adult now, we're pouring the word adult because anyone over 18 is supposed to be an adult. Well, when you're neuro different, that isn't the case. (laughs) Yes. And so for me, um, I also have ADHD and um, found that there was just a world out there of parents that could use books like these and kids who could feel more accepted by seeing themselves in the pages of books. And Um, Since writing them, I've gotten so many emails and letters from parents with pictures of their kids being like, that's me, you know, that's just like me, that's the experience that I went through. And so it very much is a passion project for me to just try to do a little bit to help. But those are the best projects, the ones that we turn as a passion project because as a need in our life, and then we touch so many other lives because of it. Yes, yes. And, and I, I illustrated all the books myself because I wanted to make sure that the pictures were simple. Um, my son with ADHD would look at a picture book and I'd be reading the story and suddenly his mind would go over to the picture on the other side of the page and ask me why the book on the bookshelf in that illustration was read, which had absolutely nothing to do with the story. Mm-hmm. So my books, the illustrations are very deliberately simple. The font is dyslexic friendly so that um, it makes it easier for that neurodiversity, um, for kids with that neurodiversity to follow along. And I also do them all as audiobooks because for me, as somebody with ADHD, that's the only way I consume a book which is ironic given that I'm an author, but um, (laughs) I wanted to make them accessible to every single kind of learner. That is wonderful. I have a nephew that's dyslexic. So teaching him reading through school was a struggle. Then you have my daughter who has her issues. I'm ADD, ADHD, plus OCD. So 
you know, we all have these different learning things going on. There's no, no one way to learn anymore. No, and I don't think there ever was, but mm -hmm. our education system was designed for a certain kind of learner mm -hmm. and the rest of us didn't really fit that mold. Mm -hmm. And I think now um, there's much more of an awareness around learning differences. And, and I just want to take away the stigma because just because I consume a book through my ears versus my eyes, doesn't mean that I'm not consuming the book, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It's just different and different's okay. Different is 100% okay, but you're also doing something else. You're teaching the ones that are normal learners or what we coin normal because there's no such thing as normal about these different diversities and teaching them how to help their peers instead of just bullying their peers. Exactly, because then you have a teacher who can read this book and explain why the kid is wearing headphones in the classroom, mm -hmm. right? That, that it's not that that kid is weird or strange or that, that there's just a sensory challenge there. And we all have all kinds of differences. We have different hair color, we have different heights. The way our brains work are different. That's all part of being human. It is. I mean, my daughter went through, I use her a lot. She's touch, light, and sound sensitive. So if there's a vibration because someone's tapping on their desk and it's bothering her desk, it's annoying her and disrupting her thing. So she has to be away from the class because she can't have that vibration. Same thing with sound. If there's a sound going on down this hallway it's going to bother her more than it's going to bother her peer that's right that's right and she should be in an environment and all kids should be in the kind of environment that allows them to learn and love learning and they shouldn't have to fit into that mold that everybody mm -hmm. else fits into no. I'm, I'm so thankful for online learning because now we can learn at our pace instead of the coin pace for sure. And it's interesting, you know, what my elder son loved online learning because you didn't have the social component that was hard and stressful. And my younger son said it was the worst thing in the world that could have ever happened to him. Right. And they're both neurodiverse. But in that space, we all learn differently, too. It, it, it's not like it's a binary thing where you have neurotypical and you're neurodiverse and everybody who's neurodiverse is the same. They're not. It's None not. of us are the same. <laughs> you can put 100 people in a room and no two people are going to be the same in learning. Exactly. So exactly. these help with that. But you're on book five, Avery G and the scary end of school. So what is this one just touching base on? Sure. So, you know, I when I look back at childhood, I seem to have this idea of spring fever and everybody was so excited for summer. And then what I saw was really happening with my kids was that's not the case, um, particularly with kids who are neurodiverse, but I actually think with many kids, the end of school can be a really anxious and scary time. They're worried about leaving a teacher who they may love, being in a new classroom next year, getting rid of all the structure they had in school, which is very comforting for most kids. They know what they're going to do every day. They know what their schedule is going to be like. What about their friends? Many times they don't see them over the summer. Are they still going to be friends with them next year? 
there's all these worries that go into the mind of a, a child at the end of the school year. And so this book is very much a teaching tool structured in the way a social story would be structured. So it lays out the fears that this little girl has, and they are true fears because it's based on the true story of my kids, and then talks about all the different things that she can do to help alleviate those concerns. And her parents play a role in that and her teachers play a role in that. But at the end, she's able to say, okay, she's looking forward to summer and she can handle what's going on for the next year. Um, but it's a tool to help open that conversation to be able to sit down with your child or with a classroom of students and say, these feelings are okay. They're okay to have, they're normal to have, and here's how we can go forward and manage them. Right. It's not that we're saying it's not okay. Everything that a child feels is okay to feel that feeling. It doesn't matter how, what's end of the spectrum, or if you're in the middle of the road or where you're at, it doesn't matter if you're quote unquote normal or neurodiverse or whatever you, we all have feelings. We all have fears. That's normal. We have to get past this is abnormal. We're not supposed to be feeling we're supposed to be robots. Well, we weren't made as robots. So we have to have feelings. That's right. And the way I like to frame all of my books is this notion of bravery. And you can't be brave unless there's something you were afraid of in the first place, right? Like they go hand in hand. And so in order for that child to feel proud of how brave they were, they have to recognize the fact that there was something they were afraid of. And that's part of being human. That's okay. It is okay. We are human. Let's celebrate being human <laughs> and not robots. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> so how many books are you thinking about continuing the series with? Um, so all of my books are true stories based on situations that happened to my kids. And they're all structured like social stories. And I do a lot of research to make sure that the advice that I'm giving other parents is advice that actually works, even though they are kind of children's books. Um, but I think I have about three or four more left um, of situations that I think could be helpful for parents to talk to their kids about. Um, some of them are outside of school, going to the dentist, getting your hair cut. Some of these things, especially from a sensory perspective can be very overwhelming. And so um, that's what I'm trying to kind of work on next. But I wanted to tackle the school ones first. Exactly. Let's see, Dennis, my daughter, when she was little, they had to do noxious gas to be able to clean her teeth because that's the only way they could clean her teeth or get her to open her mouth as a sensory parent I understand that as a parent that doesn't have that you're like you have to have your daughter on laughing gas or something else just to go to the dentist well, yeah yeah and and the light that shines down on you mm -hmm. while you're sitting in the dental chair like that is really hard you know there's so mm -hmm. and the noise of the drill there's so many different pieces to that that make a typical person not like to go to the dentist, but take a child um, who's autistic or who has sensory issues. That's really, really challenging. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was so lucky we had this great dentist when she was younger. It was called Playtime Dental. So they make being at the dentist fun. They had TVs with headphones. They had light. They had 
blinds for your eyes, sunglasses or like the night mask. They have the gas for the autistic children because there's a huge um, autism community here. So well, you are lucky to have had that. Very, yeah, very lucky. <laughs> I was very, very lucky to find this. A lot of communities don't have that and we need it. It's a we do. that is out there. Because once these kids start seeing that it's okay and it's safe and, 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 and that there are things that they can do to overcome the challenges of that experience, then, then you're in good shape, right? Then it's okay the next time. And it becomes a little less scary every time they go along. Exactly. We have to teach them young that some of these things are okay. Right. It's not just sweep the emotion under the rug. It is let's work through it and find a solution. Right. And validating that having that emotion is okay. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, we don't tell them not to cry if they fall down and they break their arm, you mm -hmm. know, that, that, that these feelings are okay to have, but there are ways to then work through them. And that's our job as parents and as teachers and educators to help these kids do. Right. And the hardest thing with a neurocentrally child is you don't always know what the issue is because they don't articulate what the problem is. You just know when they're very little, three, four years old, they're screaming at something and you don't <laughs> know what it is. Yes. But you get them to calm down and maybe they're pointing at something. Maybe they're just hiding behind your leg. You have to figure it out. And sometimes networking with other parents, you could figure it out a lot better. Oh, I think the support of other SPED parents is hugely important because there's always going to be somebody who's walked in your shoes already, mm -hmm. right? Who has had maybe not the exact same experience, but a similar experience. And the fact that they're still alive and walking gives you that hope that you can get through it, right? It may not be easy. It may not be what you thought it was going to be, but you can get through it. You have a hopping cat. <laughs> I do. Um, I had closed the door and she magically opened it, but she has three legs, so she hops. Um, she's but my that's, little. that is re really great with your kids, though. Your cat has a disability. So now that's they're right. not so different because the cat is also different. Well, and my the way my kids think about their disability is not necessarily negative mm -hmm. right we very much talk about the balance between the gifts they have and the challenges that those gifts bring but when i was diagnosed with adhd and it was after my kids were diagnosed because they said to me mom you you know you have this go through all the same testing that we went through um they high-fived me and they're like welcome to the club and and mm -hmm. When my youngest, when he was seven and diagnosed with ADHD, I told him, you know, this is this is your information. And we talked about it. And he said, I'm not going to tell anybody. And I thought, OK, you don't have to tell anybody. But then he continued and he said, because I don't want to brag to my friends that my brain works so fast. And I was <laughs> like, OK, we've done something. That's good. Right. <laughs> like you are proud of, of this. You don't want to brag good that's the way we're going to keep thinking about it and as you know it's not always easy there are definitely really hard moments um 
but if we don't see those gifts in our kids, I don't see how the world is going to see those gifts in our kids. Exactly. I look at my daughter, I'm like, okay, what's your superpower today? Because she has a lot of different things that she's drawn to. And if you take an eight-year-old and they're hooked on something, that's pretty much what my daughter is right now. So she's hooked on one little faucet of something. And okay, teach mommy. And, and you must learn so much about so many different things. <laughs> I do. I, I have coined the learning experience of cartoons made for adults. And when I say that, I mean Lego Ninjago taken into the adult universe. <laughs> <laughs> but that's her superpower. She takes something like that and cre creates something different. Like we don't look at it as a disability because it's not, it's a superpower. Right. And look, I recognize the need for the word disability needs mm -hmm. to be there because with that comes resources and funding mm -hmm. and support and accommodations and, and everything that goes mm -hmm. along with that word. Yes. But I don't think that that's something we need to internalize as people, right? right. To me, that's very external. Right. You need the word for the resources. It's a key to unlock resources. Once you get the re resources, now you can breathe and actually cultivate what the child actually needs. That's right. And find that little bit of genius in each and every one of them, right? The thing that their brain does differently than everybody else's brain mm -hmm. that's so unique and help that grow. Right. I mean, we can look at Albert Einstein. They think he has some form of autism. We can, Elon Musk, he's very right. adamant. He came out on SNL where he has Asperger's. He celebrates it. Look at him. He's, right. He has a superpower. He's not disabled. He has a brilliant brain and he puts it to work. If right. we can take those role models and give them to our kids, now we change the dialogue. That's right. That's exactly right. And look, we have to highlight that not every person with autism is Elon Musk, right? It right. is this huge spectrum. Mm -hmm. But in every single kid is that Elon Musk genius. We mm -hmm. just need to find what it is. Right. We're not going to have 3,000 Elon Musk running around. We just have <laughs> Could you to imagine. Have... <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but we can take him and turn him basically into a superhero for our, our children with neural disabilities. Yeah. He, he has become a fictional character for our children that need someone to look up to. Our superheroes today that we see in our capes and the tights and all that good stuff. How many have a neural disability? Right. And I love that he came out and he talked about it, mm -hmm. right? That he was so open and, and mm -hmm. look, some people don't like him for whatever reasons and, and that's okay. Yeah. But, but the fact that he came out and talked about being kind of neurodivergent mm -hmm. is so huge and so impactful mm -hmm. for so many kids. Yes, it doesn't matter if you like him, hate him. I don't care what the reason is. For my child, he's a superhero. That is exactly as, right. As a parent, that makes me happy. That's right. Me too. I don't care about anything else, but as a parent, I have someone that my daughter can now look up to. 
So Elon Musk, if you're watching this, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably will tag him on this because this is a thank you for doing this because he has touched the lives of so many children that needed someone to look up to. Exactly. exactly. Him, um, well, Einstein's not around no more, so we can't really think Einstein because we didn't find out about his disabilities till much later. But at the same time, we need these people in media that is out there to come out and say, hey, I have this. How many CEOs have some type of learning disability? Well, and you know, even somebody like Anthony Hopkins, who wasn't diagnosed mm -hmm. with autism until he was 80 something, right? Mm -hmm. I think he was 81. And he still came out and talked about it, mm -hmm. right? Because he's this unbelievable actor. He has this genius talent. And he says that the reason he's such a good actor is because his whole life, he stepped back and watched people from the outside. Mm -hmm. And that's what helped him become. He attributes his talent to, to his neurodiversity. Good for you, Anthony Hopkins. Like nobody needed to know that, but you came out and talked to us about it. Exactly. We need these role models to come out, quit hiding and be the role model for these kids that actually need it. We don't need another Iron Man. We need another <laughs> Elon Musk or Anthony Hopkins or you know whoever else has this to step out and say, hey, I have this learning disability, I overcame it, or I learned to use it in this field. That's right. You know, one of the great examples I like to talk about is, is the man who started Ikea. And what he did to supply chains and the way they label things is because of his dyslexia. So instead of having a string of numbers to say this shelf is associated with a string of numbers, he gave it a name because he would keep flipping the strings of numbers in his mind. Mm -hmm. So now all of the furniture, every time you go to Ikea has names. Well, lots of other companies have picked this up as a way of managing their inventory and their supply chain in a much more simple fashion than just a bunch of numbers. And he did this evolutionary design, not because he was trying to make things better, but because he was managing his dyslexia. Yeah. Right. Like those nuggets of amazing change are out there. Mm -hmm. And if we all thought the same way, these changes would never happen. My nephew, I love him dearly. He can't read a book, but he can read a text. So if a text is under 300 characters, he can read it. So he manages his dyslexia by, okay, text me whatever you need me to do or send me a video. And then I know how to do it. Don't give me a book that's 300 pages long because I'm not going to understand what's in that book. Right. And look, thank goodness we have the technology that enables mm -hmm various ways of learning now, right? That, mm -hmm. that can address learning differences in a way that when you and I were kids didn't exist at all. No, I, <laughs> I wish I would have had YouTube back in school because I would have learned a lot more stuff than what I'm doing now. You well, know? that's how I feel about audiobooks. You know, I go back and I listen to the audiobooks mm -hmm. of the books that I hated in school because I didn't understand them because I couldn't focus on them. And now I love these books. And I was like, oh, this is why people think this book is so great. But I didn't have that back then. No, in school, I never read a book ever. It doesn't matter if it was a math book, history book, anything else. I never read it. 
either it was going to be read to me or it was going to be shorthand explained to me or I never read a book <laughs> yeah. for any reason. I'm an author. I have 17 books up. I'm a member of the press. I have a radio show. I'm a CEO. I never <laughs> read a book in school ever. Mm -hmm. Yep. I have the same experience. <laughs> I mean, my grandfather, I love my grandfather. We go through history lessons and then tell, he, I would tell him what I'm learning and he would teach me history without ever looking at the book. Well, and because you heard it orally, mm -hmm. you got it. Right. Now you give me a test to take in paper. I always fail tests. Why? I can't understand the test that's written. You give it to me out of verbally, I would pass it. Yeah. And that was years ago. They didn't always accommodate that 20 years ago. They no. do now. Thankfully. Which and thank goodness, right? Our right. kids are so lucky. <laughs> yes. As a parent, I'm like, I wish I could take this school model back 20 years, but it doesn't work that way. No. No. But but we are almost out of time. So where can our listeners and our viewers find you? So um, the beauty of being the only Savon Hong in the world is that my website is savonhong.com and it's S-I-V-A-N-H-O-N-G. And um, all of my books are also available on Amazon. Awesome. Now, the autism community can also reach you through your website. Through as my well. website. Yep. And the teacher as well, as well. Yes, and, and I have free lesson guides for every single one of my books um, for any teacher who wants to use it. Awesome. See, I love connecting people who need them. The autism community needs them and teachers need them to teach their class. Hey, we have a disability because we're needing resources, but this is how we're going to teach our peers about this so we don't bully and make this person feel horrible about their superpower. Exactly, exactly. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And for our viewers and our readers, happy listening.